0: And welcome to Wednesday on the Pure Opelka Podcast. Mike here. Thanks for checking us out. Well, it's me. There's nobody else here but me. But thanks for checking me out. We're going to try and do this as often as we can, as I am uh, busy with a newsletter that goes out every day and also filling in on other radio stations, as well as doing a show Saturday evenings on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'll be on uh, Friday evening with Rich Zioli in the five o'clock hour on PHT. And we're gonna break down the week and and all of the insanity that happened this week. And I will tell you, uh, Tuesday evening, I was making a list and I'm thinking we're gonna need more time. And now you wake up Wednesday morning and the madness is uh, everywhere, on every level. And we're gonna try and get to a bunch of it as well as talk to our friend Jim Stovall Jim is uh, an inspirational speaker, and when things get crazy, you need a voice like an inspirational speaker that Jim Stovall happens to fit that bill perfectly. So we'll get to that. But before I started recording today, earlier this morning, like about 8 o'clock this morning, I I jumped on social media, and uh, I thought, wait a minute, it's not Groundhog Day, is it? No, today's February 1st, tomorrow's Groundhog Day. But it felt like Groundhog Day when I saw this.
1: Good morning, guys. Uh, I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring. For good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured i just press record and let you guys know first. So uh, I won't be long-winded. If you only get one super emotional retirement essay and i used mine up last year so i uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me my family my friends my teammates my competitors uh, i could go on forever there's too many um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream i wouldn't change a thing love you all
0: So Tom Brady retired again, and he says this time it's permanent. We will see. Good for him. In less than two hours, more than 6 million people saw that clip. That's pretty amazing. Uh, Good for you. Good luck, sir. I hope you and your family figure out whatever is best for those children. I know you both have enough money to get through life. And so uh, I hope you guys find happiness, whether it's together or separate. But for the sake of the kids, hoping you find happiness. Now, what's supposed to go on today? Today is the funeral for Tyree Nichols, the young man who was killed, allegedly. I don't think we need to say allegedly. We've all seen the videos by the five officers. In uh, Memphis and now two additional officers have been fired and some first responders were fired as well. And there are rumors swirling around Memphis that this was some sort of revenge killing, some sort of love problem with an ex of one of the people involved in the beating. We will find out. We will find out. But today's a funeral and uh Vice president Kamala Harris is going let's hope she doesn't cackle she might she might cackle you know she's she's capable of cackling at a moment's notice
2: are these new green buses going to keep their signature yellow color
0: these are gonna remain yellow school buses
1: because who doesn't love a yellow school bus they will remain yellow but their heart will be green
0: <laughs> yeah are these new green yeah it's so cringeworthy isn't it she is an embarrassment on every level. And, and yesterday was no exception. She also was supposed to be handing out medals to a couple of members of our astronaut crew. And uh, she did so. But first of all, I was going, OK, what, what medals are we handing out? What are the medals that uh, were given out? And it had something to do with the two NASA astronauts who flew the uh, the private ship i think it was the one that bezos sent up and it only went up for like 40 minutes right and uh, kamala gave them medals for doing that they didn't go to the moon or anything they went up on a private ship and it was for about uh, a, a total commitment of about an hour it seemed they were in the air for less than two minutes but she still managed to cackle explaining what happened which
3: brings me to May 30th,
0: 2020. Bob and
3: Doug returned to the Kennedy Space Center.
0: I thought she was talking about Bob and Doug McKenzie, the McKenzie brothers from uh, Second City TV and you know, the Great White North. Bob and Doug, how's it going, eh? No, she was talking about two real astronauts, members of our NASA team.
3: They suited up, they waved to their families, And they rode an elevator up nearly 20 stories. They strapped in to their seats and waited as the tanks beneath them filled with tens of thousands of gallons of fuel.
0: And then they launched. Yeah, they did. (laughs) I know a lot of people are speculating whether or not Kamala's on some kind of medication, self-directed or not. Uh, it's really kind of creepy the way she handles public speaking. And maybe that's a problem. Maybe she's just nervous. No, she's not nervous. She's been like this all the time. We didn't see it on the campaign trail. So why now? Is it that she's nervous she's going to get thrown out? There are a lot of whispers around D.C. that they're trying to find a way to get her out and at the same time, trying to find a way to get Joe out, because Joe's definitely damaged. But we'll get to him in a second. Our favorite senator, John Kennedy of Louisiana, was on with Jesse Waters, and he was delivering some advice to Kamala Harris, if she only would take it.
1: Let me cut to the chase. If if, if I were king for a day and I were asked to fix the human train wreck at the southern border that the vice president and the president have credit, here's what I do number one it is against the law to try to sneak into our country if you are caught I would deport you immediately number two it is against the law to enter our country and to try to stay here by claiming you are a political refugee if you are not if you are caught lying I would deport you immediately Number three, I would adopt a Remain in Mexico program. If you claim to be a political refugee and you want to come into the US, I would say respectfully, no. Wait in, outside the United States until we have a court date. And then you come to court. And if you lose in court, I would deport you immediately. Number four, I would adopt a, a safe third country policy. Which says simply, if you claim to be a political refugee, you have to seek asylum in the first safe country, which usually is not the United States. If you claim to be a refugee from Nicaragua, you would have to claim asylum, for example, in Honduras. Number five, as you can probably tell, I would uh, sharpen the definition of political ref- refugee. And number six, I'd finish the border wall. Problem solved
0: absolutely correct senator problem solved it's all you got to do six simple steps but we're not going to do that as long as the democrats have the white house they're not going to get any serious answers delivered and any serious action happening boy oh boy oh boy let's talk about joey Joe Biden was in Queens yesterday uh, talking about some of the, the money, your money, my money, that we're going to be handing out for various infrastructure projects. Uh, of course, Queens is getting them. Chuck Schumer was there with Joe. But uh, we always want to know why Joe gets angry. You know, he's, he's got this temper thing that bubbles up every now and then. And yesterday was no exception. And as he was speaking publicly, I don't understand what triggered this one.
3: There's nothing we can't do. Nothing. When the hell has America ever, ever, ever set a goal that it didn't reach? When has it ever? Name me a time.
0: I don't know. Balanced budget. uh, Open, fair elections. You know, uh, everybody participating equally on taxes. You always talk about fairness. Uh, then why don't we have a fair... I'll let you continue. He gets mad here, though.
3: Name me a time when America's gone through a crunch and didn't come out stronger on the other side than went in.
0: Some would say we kind of didn't do well in the Vietnam War. And then the people who went and fought were treated horribly. But why are you so angry, sir? Why do you have this problem with anger? Is there something going on I know you had a physical. Oh, wait, did you have a physical? Apparently, Joe Biden didn't have the regular presidential physical at the end of the year. Even though Corinne Jean Pierre, cringe as the cool kids call her, was asked about it, and she kind of deferred until after the first of the year. And now that January has passed, and we haven't heard a thing. Why was there no physical? Was there a cognitive test? Why was there no cognitive test? We would like to know. Maybe it has something to do with the decline that Joe Biden is regularly experiencing. Two days ago, he was in uh, Baltimore, again, talking about the money that we were shoveling into a project in Baltimore. Now, this one's a good one. This is a tunnel that's been around a long time. I think over 100 years, and it needs help. And this is a good government project. But the guy in charge of it appears to lose place in his speaking, whatever he was talking about here.
3: So that's fitting we honor him in this way. Frederick Douglass. Look, we have a lot to do.
0: It's the Frederick Douglass tunnel. Does it sound like he forgot? Who the tunnel was named after?
3: Civil rights. So that's fitting. We honor him in this way, Frederick Douglass. Look, we have a lot to do.
0: Civil rights. We do have a lot to do. We have a lot to do as it relates to you. At the same speech, he also told the story about the Amtrak conductor Angelo, that uh, has been debunked several times, and his people have said. Joe, you got to stop telling that story. It never happened, but he keeps telling it.
3: When I was vice president, I flew over a million miles on Air Force Two. And I was uh, going home as a United States uh, as vice president. And one of the conductors said to me, Hey, Joe, big deal. A million, whatever, 200. You said you've, you've traveled over a million miles on Amtrak.
0: I said, How the hell do you know that? And they added it up at their. But folks, look. Uh, but folks, look. That story wanders around in several different directions, and it's also been debunked. Why is this being allowed to happen? Why, why, why? As Joe would often yell at reporters. Remember during the campaign when the guy asked him a question, he screamed, Why, why, why?
1: You're getting nervous, pal.
0: Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's a little disturbing, isn't it? And today, Joe is supposed to meet with uh, the speaker. Mr. McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, is supposed to be at the White House today to discuss the problems we're having with our spending. You know, the debt ceiling. And the GOP wants to make some changes to the way we spend money, but we need the Democrats and the president on board. Now, the president is saying, no, there's no no negotiation. As a matter of fact, uh, if I were Kevin McCarthy, I'd say, if there's no negotiation, let's cancel the meeting. I don't know if that's going to happen. But yesterday when Joe was leaving the White House to go to Queens, he stopped for a brief second and a reporter asked him about the meeting that was scheduled. His answer is weird. He months to negotiate. What are you about Show me your budget. I'll show you mine. Show me your budget. I'll show you mine. He's always a little creepy, isn't he? A little with the double entendre. And McCarthy, I'll give him credit. He's, he's taking the high road on all of this. Why would you put the economics of America in jeopardy? Why would you play political games? I'm not. It sounds pretty childish to me. It is childish. You're correct, sir. That's absolutely 100% correct. And Biden in 2011 was the guy who led the negotiations. Now Democrats are saying there can be no negotiations. But in 2011, Joe was negotiating his butt off. Nancy Pelosi was calling the debt limit negotiations a good faith initiative. Our members
1: were very encouraged. We are regularly briefed by Mr. Van Hollen and our leader, Mr. Clyburn, on the bipartisan nature of those talks about the uh, good faith and. Uh, Initiative that is being taken there and that working together if we are determined to reduce the deficit We will and we will have of that message in a timely fashion so that we cannot default on our debt
0: Yeah, that's the way it was in 2011, but now that guess who's in power in the house everything changes Really is interesting I'm old enough to remember that Barack Obama even talked about compromise on the debt ceiling.
3: Now, folks in Washington like to blame one another for this problem, but the truth is neither party is blameless, and both parties have a responsibility to do something about it. Every day, families are figuring out how to stretch their paychecks, struggling to cut what they can't afford so they can pay for what's really important. It's time for Washington to do the same thing. Uh But for that to happen... It means that Democrats and Republicans have to work together. It means we need to put aside our differences to do what's right for the country. Everyone is going to have to be willing to compromise.
0: Everyone. Did you hear that, Joey? Everyone. Did you hear that, Democrats? Yeah, kind of important. Kind of important. Uh, I, I, I got to shift. There's so many topics here to get to today, as well as uh, I promised you we're going to talk to uh, Jim Stovall. I'm a little upset about another thing said by Geraldo Rivera. Put out a tweet and many people like me, many conservatives in the media are saying Geraldo Rivera needs to be shown the door over at Fox News for the things he's saying. He said some dumb stuff about the Air 15. About two weeks ago, didn't understand what the Air 15 was. Thought it was an automatic rifle. And Geraldo's the guy who says, well, I've been in war zones. Ah, You know, he makes himself out to be a real macho tough guy. It's not an automatic rifle, you bobo. He called it a machine gun, too. But now he tweeted yesterday afternoon from his uh, near Cleveland home. Donald Trump was grossly underrated, and unfairly besieged president. So, yeah, he was besieged. Okay, that's true, that part, a grossly underrated and unfairly besieged president. 90% of the media attention he got from the mainstream media was negative. And there was a coordinated effort by social media and mainstream media and the DNC and the Clinton campaign and the FBI and the DOJ to attack him at every turn. Now, Geraldo, who claims to be a friend of the president, went on to declare yesterday, quote, I will not vote for him in 2024, not because of what he did in office, but what he did after he lost the election. In 2024, the danger to the Republic will not be if he wins. It will be if he loses, close quote. Dun, dun, dun. Was Geraldo think that uh, Trump's going to develop an army and then go attack the country? That's just amazing. We're 600 plus days away from an election, 360 plus days away from an actual primary happening. And Geraldo's out there saying Trump's the risk, the danger to our democracy. Geraldo, I'm sorry, you're, you're a giant waste of time. You've done very well, very, very well. Spend time with your latest wife and your kids and enjoy what you have earned. It's just astounding to me. Really astounding to me. Uh, what else do I have to get to today? There's so many topics I want to hope to cover here. And uh, oh, 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 Joe's Beach House being searched. The Beach House in Rehoboth, now this is uh, after we were told in January, like January 21st, we were told that the Biden lawyers searched the Beach House and found no classified documents. Why isn't it the other way around? Why didn't the DOJ go into there first? Why Why were Donald Trump's lawyers told to get out of Mar-a-Lago while the DOJ searched the president's premises, but in this case, the Biden lawyers were in there rooting around, looking for stuff. And then weeks later, weeks later, over 10 days later, we've got the FBI going in. And why didn't we hear about the searches at Joe's office and now Joe's house when he knew about it? Uh, The White House is telling us that he was working on real problems. Real problems, right. I uh, posted a link to something that will get you in trouble if you visit it on an office computer. It relates to Hunter Biden. Yesterday, a story start, started bubbling about Hunter Biden needing a legal defense fund. He made millions peddling his dad's name. He made millions from Burisma. He made millions selling his artwork. So why does he need money? We know he's facing some serious charges about laundering money or hiding money he got from foreign governments. We know he's facing potential charges regarding uh, lying on a background check form when he got a gun illegally. So maybe he does need a legal defense fund. But I thought, why does he need money if he made all that other money? Well, there is a... um, a report on Hunter Biden by a group called MarcoPoloUSA.org. MarcoPoloUSA.org. They put together a uh, breakdown of the Biden laptop, the Hunter Biden laptop. It's got business related crimes, sex related crimes, drug related crimes, influence peddling, legal accountability. And if all of this is true and accurate, which it appears to be very well sourced, The screen caps, uh, some of the stuff he was doing with the hookers. uh, That's why you don't want to look at it on an office computer. If, If any of this, if a tenth of this is true, he's going to need a massive legal defense fund. But the real problem is the connection of Hunter to his dad, to Ukraine and China, and Russia, and whether or not Hunter had access to some of those classified documents. He's a despicable character, Hunter Biden. He is an awful human being. Now, maybe he's cleaned himself up. He certainly was under uh, drug addiction behavior in much of the stuff that he's got here on his laptop. Maybe he has cleaned himself up and is going to be straight for good. At one time, he mentioned in the Marco Polo USA files, uh, it said he had been clean for seven years and then he fell off or fell off the wagon. It's really really a stunning 600-plus page report with uh, sourcing and references. So uh, we'll keep you apprised as to what that is doing. Miranda Devine linked to it. If you don't know who Miranda Devine is, I don't know if we can be friends. Miranda is the woman behind the um, Laptop from Hell book. Terrific book, breaking down the whole Hunter Biden thing. But we've learned so much more because there's just so much more information. So I encourage you, if you're looking for some winter reading, as it's going to be very cold this weekend, won't be able to go out on the golf course, pick up a new book. And if you haven't read... The laptop from hell. Oh, it's a page-turner. Also in the political world, uh, Lindsey Graham endorsed Donald Trump. No surprise there. He showed up at the rally last weekend. Nikki Haley says she's going to make her presidential campaign official on February 15th. I like Nikki Haley. I'm not convinced she's got presidential timber. Uh, We will see. Let's check out her policies. She certainly was... uh, Very strong as ambassador to the U.N. She was a great governor in in South Carolina. But let's see. You know, we're also anticipating DeSantis will run. John Bolton's going to run, but he doesn't have a chance. Pompeo sounds like he's running already. And uh, you also have the possibility that Mike Pence will run and maybe many others. Who knows? A lot of people believe that they can do that. I don't think Mike Lindell is going to run. You know, the My Pillow guy. Speaking of Mike Lindell, he was on um, Jimmy Kimmel's show last night. He bravely accepted an invitation from Kimmel to appear on Kimmel's show. And um, also, allowed the kimmel crew to put him inside a giant claw machine you know like they have at the arcades with the stuffed animals and and junk in them he was sitting inside the claw machine because kimmel said we understand you're afraid of machines trying to make a connection to the voting machine questions that uh have been raised by michael and indell now i was nervous when i heard he was going to be on with Kimmel, Because I thought they were going to be uh, awful and mean to him because they have been leading up to this awful and mean to a guy who basically got his life cleaned up, created a very successful business and then supported Donald Trump. And that's probably the biggest sin he has committed in the eyes of the liberals. But I noticed something last night and let me see if I can I pull this up on the clip all the colorful unhinged characters who've come to prominence in the political era of donald trump our next guest is probably the most enthusiastic to help him overcome his debilitating fear of machines we have installed him inside a claw machine for his interview tonight and joining us now from the corner of donkey kong and qbert the my pillow guy mike lindell hello Mike. all right so they cut to a uh, an arcade where lindell is inside actually inside the machine with a bunch of stuffed animals around him it's a pretty funny shot And there are uh, little uh, games on either side. And there are kids occasionally coming in and playing the machines. And it looks like it's a Dave and Buster's place, if you know what Dave and Buster's is. But I thought I noticed something. In the middle of the interview, and I'm just going to randomly go to a place. I think after this happened, because they taped this show in the uh, late afternoon in L.A. And then they run it after the news. It's. It's usually around 5 o'clock L.A. time when they tape the show. Just like in New York, they tape the late-night shows around 5 o'clock. I think they added laughter into places where it doesn't make sense. Now, is this a conspiracy? Maybe. I'm just going to randomly drop in. And we'll see if we can uh, catch a little bit of that here.
1: The RNC leadership,
2: because I was the top of all the polls, I almost doubled both of them combined in the Rasmussen report, which came out last Thursday, the day before the vote. So, they, you know, I didn't realize that they, uh, you know, that they would, I would think that they would have went with what the people wanted because they represent the people. Do you believe this was a rigged
0: election too? No, absolutely not, Jimmy, because there was no machines involved. It was paper ballots hand counted. Right, okay, so um, you you would have lost either way, I guess is what you're saying. Well, I don't know. I think that laughter right there is added in. It doesn't sound like it's a laugh line, and it's not. I think they did this in several parts of this. The interview is about nine minutes long. I think Mike Lindell comported himself very well. I'm not the biggest Mike Lindell fan. You know, I'm proud of him for doing what he did, but I'm glad he's not going to be chairman of the RNC. I I think he's got a great voice of uh, many conservative voters behind him. And if he's going to push a America first agenda, I'll support him. I'm going to wait to see who our, Nominees are before I actually latch onto one because I want to get the best one. But uh, I salute Mike Lindell. But if you go and watch it, it's nine minutes and it's out there. Citizen Free Press has a link to it on YouTube. I really believe they were sweetening this with audio that they were putting in place in order to try and make fun of Mike Lindell. And I think he played it very, very well. All right, what else do I have before I get Jim Stovall in here? Uh, Keep your eye on the economy. PayPal is laying off 2,000 workers. That's like 7% of its workforce. UPS is about to demand a huge raise uh, that its workers are demanding. They're going to go on strike if they don't get it. And the economy's in trouble when people making over $100,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. And that's exactly what we have right now. Fifty one percent of the people in America who make a hundred thousand dollars a year or more are living paycheck to paycheck. That's not a good place for an economy. And Joe Biden is telling us that every day he wakes up and he hears all this great news and, and he's excited about what's going on. I don't think he's paying attention. I really don't. Where's my Joe Biden clip? I don't know if I have it here. I will find it. But uh, uh, Joey Joey told us he's very excited about the economy. Well, when more than half of the people who make $100,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck, and now we're seeing a spike in automobile repossessions, as well as the lack of enough repo men. The finance companies are saying they don't have enough repo guys to handle the business. Stunning, right? Uh, in the woke world, we're now being told that tax laws are racist. That's right. Tax laws are preventing people of color from getting ahead.
1: Our tax laws, as written, have a racially disparate impact. Black Americans are less likely to gain access to their tax breaks that their white peers receive and therefore are more likely to pay higher taxes than their white peers.
0: So who writes the tax laws? Oh, that would be Congress. Who's controlled Congress for most of the past uh, decade? Well, let's go back and look. But most recently, it was Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. So why didn't they fix that? Why didn't they bring equity into the tax laws? Because this is just a lie. On the same tone, the uh, call for reparations in California continues. You know, there was that uh, that pitch for paying five million to every person of color. There were a few conditions. They had to have lived in San Francisco for 10 years, trace their lineage back to slavery, etc. But they, the pitch was to give each one of the people who qualified five million dollars. Now, Los Angeles has a reparations commission. That's come out and said, well, everybody who's uh, who's black is going to get $223,000. And this guy's not happy about it. They had a comment, comment session at a meeting of the uh, reparations committee.
3: Damages, okay? Real quick, damages, certainly they have to go back to slavery. We're talking
2: about compensation back to slavery. How will uh, reparations be paid? immediately. And (laughs) 200,000
1: is not enough. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: At least the moderator had uh, had the good sense to say, okay, this guy's, he's not serious about this. We're going to have to send him away. We have not talked about Maxine Waters for a while. Maxine Waters. Now, Maxine Waters has uh, suddenly stepped up. She's getting a lot of media attention because In the last uh, election cycle, she paid her daughter a whole bunch of money to work for. That happens in every campaign. If you've got a huge campaign and a large war chest of funds from your donors, you're gonna hire your friends and your family. But it's what Maxine Waters says about the GOP that bothers me. Maxine Waters is uh, spreading some pretty nasty rumors about members of the GOP in the House, calling them some pretty awful things. I don't expect anything from them. We're going to try to do
1: everything that we possibly can. Uh, But I think, you know, the average American person
0: uh, can see what is going on. Uh, We have these right wing conservatives who are, you know, we have domestic terrorists in the House of Representatives. These people are extremists. And so I'm not optimistic. Uh, Excuse me, did you just call members of the GOP elected to serve in the House of Representatives alongside of you, domestic terrorists? We have these right-wing conservatives who are, you know, we have domestic terrorists in the House of Representatives. These people are extremists. And so I'm not optimistic. When that lady calls members of the GOP extremists, I just remember to what she used to say to the media during the Trump administration.
1: And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome
0: anymore, anywhere. Yeah, I remember that. And people are saying, oh, that was just an isolated thing. Really? Was that isolated? She was in Minnesota, too. She's not representing Minnesota. She's from California, you see, but she was making the tour and selling her hate. We've got to not only stay in the street, but we've got to fight for justice. We've got to get more active. We've got to get more
2: confrontational. We've got to make sure that they they know that we need business.
0: Yeah, we've got to get confrontational. We've got to fight in the streets. They've got to know that we mean business. But the Democrats are violent. They are. I remember Nancy Pelosi wanting to punch out Trump. Yeah, it was just uh, two years ago, January 6th. Oh, comes, I'm going to punch him out. This oh, is my wow, mom I've would pay to see I've
1: that. been waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. i want to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, and I'm going to be happy.
0: Oh, if that only would have happened. I'm going to punch him out. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. And you know who else would be happy? America would be happy. We'd all be happy. What a maroon. Uh, I have so much more today. But uh, I want to make sure we leave some time for Jim Stovall. My buddy Jim Stovall from the winner's wisdom column that is out every week. I'll tell you what, I'm taking a break. When we get back, Jim Stovall next on the Pure Opelka podcast. (laughs) Welcome back to the Pure Opelka podcast. I just noticed something before we get Jim Stovall in here. I just noticed the timing behind the Bernie Sanders event. He's got a new book coming out called It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. And he's not giving it away. No, he's going to make money off this. And Bernie's got three, maybe four homes. He's a wealthy guy. Politics has made him very wealthy. He's very fortunate. But he's written a book called It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. And he's also holding speaking engagements where you can hear Bernie talk about It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. And the first one is going to be in Washington, D.C., on March 1st and I'm gonna be in Washington DC on March 1st because CPAC is back the conservative political action conference is back in Washington DC March 1st and I'm gonna be there covering it on the radio and so uh, maybe just maybe we should get a ticket and see what Bernie's been talking about yeah That's a good idea. Stay tuned on that. That's breaking news right here. I love the fact that he's charging 95 bucks to see him talk about it's okay to be angry about capitalism. And it's going to maybe buy him a fifth house. I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out. But right now we have a much bigger name joining us. My buddy Jim Stovall, the man behind the winner's wisdom column we talk about every week, the guy who invented... The Narrative Television Network, so blind people can watch movies and television with their ears. The guy who's written more than 50 books, he's a philanthropist. And this week in the column, I also learned Jim travels first class, I guess, most of the time. And why wouldn't he? He's very successful. But Jim also does it in a very clever way. And I learned something about what Jim learned from flying in first class. Welcome back, my friend. Thanks for teaching me something.
2: Well, you know, I the people who arranged my travel told me uh, last year that I have traveled well in excess of 2 million miles, and I wow. sat down and got tired. I, I just <laughs> thought, wow. That, you know. And somebody figured out that is 80 times around the planet, and I, I don't even want to think about that. And, uh, and I, I want to say, because it creates envy and division among people, I want to say right up front, most of those 2 million miles i flew in coach you know and it seems like a lot of it was in the middle seat in coach <laughs> and being a former football player and olympic weightlifter whoever designed coach seats did not have me in mind shall we just say so uh, thankfully the last uh, few years i've i've flown first class and because i'm blind uh, you know i get on the planes early and i've spent a lot of time you know, on the planes, just the flight attendants and the, the pilot and the co-pilot and everything. And it's kind of fun to, you know, get to talk to them and see what all they do before everybody gets on the plane. And one of the things I noticed, there's a young lady that I take the, the same flight a lot to Dallas to connect. And she brought me my cup of coffee as soon as I sat down. And she said, I think you're really going to like this, which was surprised me because uh, airplane coffee is uh, generally not uh, too stellar. But she was right. It was great, and I said, "Wow, this is amazing." She said, "Someone in accounting figured out that in order on these early flights to uh, to get the coffee going, we had to, to start an external engine that we otherwise wouldn't have started, and we have to get a union guy down there to start it, and then the fuel and everything, <laughs> and it was costing like over fifty dollars for this one cup of coffee that sometimes nobody drank." And so they said, "Look, this is ridiculous." So they made arrangements to get the coffee from a coffee shop in the airport and and I said, "Wow, that's a big breakthrough." She said, "Not only that, they started looking at, you know, what soft drinks do we have on our little cart there?" And they found out that like on one of the planes she was on, there's a root beer that had been in there for 8 or 9 months. It had flown around the world several times. <laughs> and, you know, they look at the, you know, the the cost of that and not having what people want. That's like $50 for a root beer. And and they were able to fix these things and i thought wow how many times in our life do we do the same thing i mean you know we can get something you know just because hey we've always done it that way and which is the most dangerous statement any of us make and you know sometimes you just got to stop and look around and say what in the world are we doing And uh, i do a lot of consulting for fortune 500 companies and CEOs and other people and uh, you know and a lot of times it's in an industry I know nothing about absolutely nothing I know about this and sometimes it's such an advantage to sit in their boardroom and they're having these high-level discussions about nuances of their industry and I'll just say excuse me why do you do that and many times there's a great reason why they do that but sometimes you know why? Why are you serving a fifty-dollar cup of coffee that's no good anyway, and probably no one's going to drink it when you can go right over there and get one for a couple of bucks? And you know, and those are the kind of things that uh, happen when we, uh, you know, we heed uh, Socrates' words that the uh, the unexamined life is not worth living. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta just look around and say, why are we doing this?
0: Yeah, and the pause that happens. When you stop and ask a question of not only other people, but yourself, that pause is so interesting because sometimes you sit there and say, I don't know why. Let's figure it out. And in the end, as the guy in accounting learned, there was a much better way that was good for both the customer and the company at the same time. And that's a big breakthrough. That's a that's a, that's a great. I love the story about the root beer can that flew around the world.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I you know, but sometimes we just don't, and we're so busy just doing what we do, the status quo becomes sacred, and we just wow. Well, you know, why do we do this? Well, I don't know why we do this. We've always done that, and the next thing you know, uh, you know, we're we're way down the line, and we're we're you know we're having. cups of coffee that no one drinks. And I just think there are a lot of those in our daily lives. Why do we do this this way and that way? And I was talking to a friend, uh, one of his New Year's resolutions, which I don't necessarily believe in, but he's going to change. Uh, You know, he said, I drive to the office every day, and he said, I've decided I'm going to go a different route every day. And I thought, well, there's not that many routes between, you know, <laughs> you're going to drive across Oklahoma through Cleveland. I mean, come on. I mean, there's not that many routes, but, you know, there is something to be said for Uh, you know, let's get out of our normal routine because so many of our things we do, we're on autopilot. We get up, we brush our teeth, we get dressed, we shower, we get the breakfast, the same thing. Everything's the same thing. And we're really not engaged. We're not present. And there's something about getting out of that routine that causes us to be very present, very thoughtful, and uh, every once in a while, it's just good to shake it up a little and say, why are we doing this? And then if you go back and say, well, we're doing it because it's the right way, it's the best way to do it. Hey, no harm, no foul. That's like going to the doctor, getting a checkup, and you're all okay. I mean, uh, that's not a waste of time or money.
0: Yeah, nothing wrong with taking a look and learning you were doing it right. That gives you confirmation and should give you confidence and maybe let you move on to the next thing that needs examining and the next thing after that. And what better time to start doing that than you are early in a year as we knock off January and then charge into February. I'm sure there's a lot of us who could take a look around and say, are we doing everything that we're supposed to be doing every day? And if not, what's preventing us from doing that? The $50 cup of coffee, the $50 can of root beer, all of that is so telling. And if you skip the $50 cup of coffee in your world, maybe first class is the next easy thing for you to accomplish. And who deserves first class more than you? Nobody I can think of. Wow.
2: You are great. it's been you know I mean obviously it's comfortable, but the the greatest thing about flying first class over the years is I've gotten to meet so many people. I was back in coach for years, and I never realized there are really amazing, famous people, and they're the last person on the plane. I mean everybody's on the plane, and just before they close the door, <laughs> they slip on and get in a seat, and then when you get where you're going, you know the instant they open the door, they're out and gone, and you never knew that you flew with Tommy Lasorda or Willie Nelson or whomever. And uh, so it's kind of fun to sit up there and get to meet some of those
0: people. Uh, as I'm, I'm sure it would be, and I'm sure they're all thrilled to meet Jim Stovall as well. And that's why I want everybody to go to JimStovall.com and sign up for the Winner's Wisdom newsletter, and it shows up in your email inbox, and then Jim and I talk about it and break it down. My friend, uh, thank you so much. I'll see you in first class after I get rid of all these $50 cups of coffee in my world.
2: Well, I will look forward to, you know, and once you get there, we'll need another upgrade.